This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm here with Trav, and I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. (laughs) I like that a lot. All right, so this is the Overdue Homework Podcast, and... I would like to tell everybody about the, our mission statement, the reason why we're doing this podcast. I'd say the number one reason we're doing this po- podcast is to bring the 80s and 90s media to the forefront, bring it back to attention. I guess it doesn't need a whole heck of a lot of help right now. It seems pretty popular, but why not bring it back to the forefront even more? Definitely. Yeah. And then the other big reason we decided to do this podcast was to literally catch each other up on the things that we missed in the 80s and 90s and not only what each other have missed but you the listener what you have missed because if you're listening to this podcast most likely you haven't seen or watched or listened I guess seen and watched is the same thing to these things so yeah plus it's really fun to relive these uh movies tvs and video games uh, as adults right exactly right um, I guess that brings us to what our format is going to be. Like, we're going to literally explain right now what the format is. So, it's going to be introduction, a.k.a. what we're doing right now. Exactly, bada <laughs> And then, we'll be going into the homework review, which there's no homework review for this week, but we'll get to that again later. Then, we'll end the show with our homework assignment. So, that means either... Trav hasn't seen it, I haven't seen it, or if we both have seen it, that means you probably haven't seen it. So, that's your homework assignment. Pretty, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then every show will be, you know, uh, outroed by Trav. Um, so, I guess I would like to let the listener know kind of like our backstory a little bit. For um, sure. We happened to share a day job. If I remember correctly, I was talking about The Walking Dead with a coworker of mine when you came out of nowhere. I'm like, are you guys talking yeah. about The Walking Dead? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me. That sounds like me. I always thought it was Game of Thrones. Because oh, I, could... I forgot. Did you watch Walking Dead? Yes. You did watch Walking yes. Dead. Yes. Okay. It could have been either it one. It was either one. It was around season six of Game of Thrones, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Definitely. I, I heard a little something. Hey, so you watch Game of Thrones? <laughs> but yes, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. And then we kind of started swapping some shows to watch for each other. Too. Yeah, we did. And the big difference between Walking Dead and Game of Thrones is I actually finished Game of Thrones. True. <laughs> I also haven't finished Walking Dead. I actually loved Walking Dead more than Game of Thrones, even at its pinnacle. I still like Game of Thrones but obviously the ending has changed my opinion a little bit of yeah. that show. Yeah. But Walking Dead, I don't know what it was, but I think it was Rick leaving the show just made me kind of give up on it, just like done and over with it. <laughs> you can't just get rid of my main character and expect me to care anymore. So that was the middle of season eight, right? Yes. Yeah, right so before the mid-season break. I right. got one other episode and then I was done. Uh, Yeah, Rick left and then, spoiler alert, 
his I can't remember his son right now. His son died. Yep, his and then son's I, dead. Carl's gone. Carl and I was like, I can't believe I couldn't remember that. Uh, and I was like, I guess I'm out. Uh, yep, I don't know. That about does it for me on <laughs> Walking Dead. Yeah, you know, there was so much time invested in that. I should probably uh, go back and finish it anyways. Yeah, but on to where the real connection was probably formed. Uh, so like nine twenty nine seventeen was when the Super Nintendo Classic was released. And I don't remember how we started talking about it, but we ended up deciding to go wait in line at our local GameStop. Mm-hmm. Overnight. O- overnight. I think I picked you up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Something like that. It was that, something yeah. ridiculous like that. We had snacks, right? Snacks. We had drinks. Which was maybe too many drinks. Uh, definitely too many too drinks. Too many drinks. Uh, and we non-alcoholic. Had, yes, non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic. Of course, so I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Twenty-three flavors. <laughs> Twenty-three flavors. <laughs> there was snacks, candy. Candy. Yes. Uh, what kind of candy? I think we had Skittles. Didn't so, you have a big old bag? Of Skittles? I did have a big. Yes, yes, it was a big old bag of Skittles. <laughs> so high amounts of sugar, high amounts of caffeine, uh, plenty of carbonation. I guess all involved there. And then didn't the grocery store not open till six? It was something like that. It was a twenty-four hour grocery store. It no longer is a twenty-four gro- hour grocery store, and both of us did need to use the restroom. And it was a solid block and a half away, so yep. we took times running over to the grocery store to use the bathroom. And we definitely spent the whole time. You brought two 3DSs, right? I with, think so. Yeah. Yes, with the 3DS Mario Party. Yep. And we didn't touch we didn't, them. We didn't touch them at all. <laughs> no, we just managed to talk to each other the whole time and. Uh, it was pretty cool. So, like, that's where the friendship was formed, was sitting outside in September, surprisingly cold September morning. Waiting uh, to get something to relive our childhood, <laughs> which is exactly some of the content that we're going to be talking about in this podcast. Yeah, 100%. And y- you could say that maybe the whole impetus of this podcast was probably formed that day. Probably. It probably was. I mean, we both discovered that we had a lot of the same interests interests when it came to video games, especially video games. Especially I don't remember how much TV games. and movies we talked at that point, but it was prob- probably wasn't too much. Not too much, just the current stuff that was on. Right, and so that was five years ago. It was crazy because I thought that we probably became friends in about 2018, 2019. I was surprised that it was 2017. Time flies. The older you get, the faster it gets. <laughs> it really does. There's a name for that spatial dilation i don't remember there's a name for it where like the older you get like each minute is worth less of your life so it feels like it goes by quicker so like when you're 10 an hour of your life that's a bad example so when when you're 10 a year of your life is a tenth of your life right right so when you're 30 that's a third of your, not a third of your life. A thirtieth. A thirtieth of your life. You're like, Psh. yeah. So it just it, the the older you get, the faster it goes by. Type yep. of thing. So we didn't do any of these uh, like good conversation topic that uh, morning, that night and morning probably would have been Trav. What's your favorite three movies of all time? Definitely, <laughs> and then we're gonna get into that right now. We're getting into it right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. So. I put Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey, huge Jim Carrey fan. Anything Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey back in the day, that was my wheelhouse for sure. Uh, We got Happy Gilmore, speaking of Adam Sandler. 
good for Happy Gilmore, my God. <laughs> and then to, fin- to finish it out, I got The Breakfast Club. Great choices. All pretty much comedies. Maybe The Breakfast Club isn't a straight comedy, but that was definitely my wheelhouse. Uh, so, yeah, looking at the years here, 1994 for Dumb and Dumber, 96 for Happy Gilmore, and Breakfast Club was before I was born, 1985, but something my dad had, so I saw it multiple times. The Breakfast Club was definitely one of those TBS perennial movies. Oh, for sure. On all the time in the 90s, and I remember watching it on TV quite often, edited, obviously, edited 90s style, so like (laughs) everything was cut out. It was on, you know, major cable network even, but uh, I remember thinking... This movie is so old. I can't believe how old this movie is. And that was probably in the mid-90s, and The Breakfast Club came out. What year did The Breakfast Club come out? 85. 85. So was the, it was maybe not even 10 years old. Like, that just goes, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty nuts. And it's, I mean, it wasn't that uh, old of a movie, honestly. So, But it still holds up so well. It's such a simple premise, but I still just love that movie so much. Yeah, anything by uh, John Hughes. I don't know what it was. I mean, you, we could probably do a whole episode on John Hughes alone. I don't know what it was about the way he wrote movies and directed them, but he really had a finger on the pulse of what it was like to be a teenager in that time, you know? Definitely. It'd be an interesting episode in itself. Um, so, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with your movies? That's it. That's it. Uh, so, I guess my three movies, uh, we've made multiple lists and this is the list that I finally came with. It would be 93's Jurassic Park. Definitely. Um, it was a movie experience. Like, it was uh, sort of like the subject that we're going to be talking about. I, I bet this movie probably took a page out of our homework at the end of this episode's playbook. And it's the way it markets, the way it appealed to children, even though... Do you want a nine-year-old seeing Jurassic Park? Maybe not. Maybe not. Might they scare them to yeah, death. But. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely a... I remember saying, can we go see Jurassic Park, please? You know, because it was just quite the event. Commercials were inescapable on television. And it was a, a Spielberg film, which when you're a child of the 90s, you tell your parents you want to see a Steven Spielberg film, they would say, yeah, let's go to a Steven Spielberg film. Yeah. Well worth the money much cheaper movies at the time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second movie that I would probably say is, that I would say is in my top three, is The NeverEnding Story. I debated back and forth on whether or not to go with The NeverEnding Story 1 or The NeverEnding Story 2. Um, For the longest time, I was going to say NeverEnding Story 2 is the one that I watched the most, it was on TV the most, and then I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I had to go with the the first NeverEnding Story, the NeverEnding Story. Which Uh, I have never seen. Either, of course. I, of course, I haven't seen the second Oh, I saw the second one, but uh, first one. Uh, but have not seen that. If you'd like a treat. Now, this is not just directed to you, Trav. This is directed to everybody. Uh, Google on Google on YouTube. Go to YouTube <laughs> and search The NeverEnding Yeah. Uh, it's very funny. It's just the main character. I, I'm not even going to talk about it because if we do it as homework, it'll be a very funny thing. And For sure. And then we are one overlap movie, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Uh, 1994. I don't think I saw this one in the theater. I did not. It was probably too raunchy to go see as a <laughs> 10 year old. Um, but it's a movie that holds up today. The sequels, oh. Dumb and Dumb and Dumberer. 
Dumb and Dumber. Er, er the yes. Um, well, which the that was the one without Jim Carrey. So that was the prequel. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the, that that prequel, not good. And then not the, good. No. I never saw the sequel. Did you, you didn't see, see the sequel? Did you see, did it's. You? I mean, I think it's funny because it's them again, but it's it's not the original. Yeah, obviously. For sure. But I kind of like that they pick up where they left off and. Uh, the girl that he slept with, Freda Felcher, he has a kid with. <laughs> so then she is coming back, and of course he has a crush on her, not knowing that it's his daughter or something like that. So, well, now I don't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> that, I guess that's one, I guess that's one thing that I should have said at the in the introduction is this is going to be a spoiler filled podcast. Oh, definitely. So it, once we do, we start assigning homework. If you haven't seen what we assigned, or you even played, or you haven't, I mean. It's going to be full of spoilers. Full of spoilers. And I mainly chose Dumb and Dumber because of its amazing 90s soundtrack. Like, it's so good. It, it's so good. Like, Mary Mar- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That, anytime I hear that song on the radio, which becomes rarer and rarer these yeah. days, it's automatically, I think, of Dumb and Dumber. Automatically. There's just, you. I've been quoting that movie my entire life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Just handing out hundreds. Here you go. Right? <laughs> Here you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we did our movies, uh, what do you think you would choose for television? Television. Television's a little different. Uh, a little more on the animated side for myself. For my first show, I put Dragon Ball Z, which the Japanese air date was in 1989, the year I was born, but it was 96 for America here, and I definitely remember biking home all the time to not miss any spirit bomb action when he was fighting Frieza. You mean the spirit bomb that lasted about eight episodes? Eight episodes. (laughs) Day after day, I'm biking home waiting to see that thing get thrown down, and nope, nope, building it up, building it up. You are, and listeners, this needs to be known to you. Trav is a diehard Dragon Ball Z fan. Diehard. Diehard. Still to this day. I yes. love Dragon Ball Super. I rewatch DBZ, Dragon Ball Super. I've got a Vegeta tattoo on my right leg. I got a Goku tattoo on my left leg. Some yes. bad A tattoos. That's 100% the truth. For sure. Shout out Grey Duck tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, free plug is a good deal. Uh, For my second show, non-animated, but Friends. Friends is a show I grew up with. My dad watched it from the very beginning, 94. So I've had it in my life my entire life. I still consider it my favorite comedy of all time. It's my comfort show. I put it on and throw a 30-minute timer when I go to bed. Always watch an episode of Friends before I go to bed. Never gets old for me. Is, Is Friends your The Office? Friends is my The Office, but I love The Office, too. Yeah. I love a lot of sitcoms, but yeah, Friends is my end-all, be-all, for That's sure. Awesome. If I had to pick one to live with for the rest of my life, it'd be Friends, how and many, I've seen it the most. How many times do you think you've seen the series completely? From beginning to end, being generous, I've probably seen it through 25 times. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, I did not expect 25. So many times, <laughs> so many times. I mean, more than that, if you can count all the reruns on TV where they skip holiday episodes mm, and certain mm, episodes mm. and stuff, but since it being on Netflix and then I bought it on Blu-ray when it got taken off of Netflix and introducing this friend to it and this person to it, yeah, 
25 times. <laughs> uh, and I feel like I'm being modest. Uh, do you have a favorite episode? Favorite? I want a favorite episode, and I want your favorite friend. Ooh. Favorite friend is probably Joey, even though Joey, it's like 1A and Chandler's 1B for me, for sure. But I love all of them. Ross doesn't get enough love either. I love Ross. Favorite episode. God, that's next to impossible. But if I have to, the first episode I think of when I think if I want to put one on and I just want to laugh is the engagement episode. So the first episode of season seven, when Monica's engaged and Joey gets a job playing a 19 year old and (laughs) that's just too much too much uh chandler playing ps1 in the background and he comes out with his boxers tucked into his shirt and his (laughs) new york knicks jersey and yeah i I love that whole episode and that's where uh rachel brings up to ross bonus night and then he gets all oh Mm -hmm. we're we're gonna score again and that does not Mm -hmm. happen Mm -hmm. yeah it's there's just too many good things in that episode um, random question. What happened to his monkey? Like in the series, do you... his monkey started humping everything. Oh yes. They had to put a diaper on him for that reason. Well, no, they didn't have to put a diaper on him for that reason, but he was pooping in Monica's okay. shoes. And okay. All yep. the stuff. He yep. lost the monkey once and then he got sent to a zoo because mm. of the humping issue. He had to get rid of him. And then eventually his monkey becomes famous later in the show. And he's the, monkey shine monkey for some <laughs> beer company later and yeah that that's a pretty funny episode too oh that's good i like that a lot and then for my final show rounding out the 90s i'm actually surprised i don't have any nicktoons on my list but ed ed and eddie 1999 1999 we ventured a guess at that just we ventured a guess at that at one point and but 99 on the nose I think because I was 10 years old, so I was a little bit older when this aired, I've just got more recollection of funny episodes of this show. So. Yeah, that, that show is classic, and it was one that I ran into a, a little bit later in life. Like, I bet I started watching that maybe in about 2007 or 2008 and reruns on Cartoon For Network. Sure. And uh, that show's really good. That's really, really, it's good. really good. It really is. It's very funny. It still holds up to this day. It's a yeah. very good show. What do you got for me, Drew? Well, for TV, um, number one with a bullet is probably, is, I keep saying is probably, it's number one on my list, so it definitely is number one, <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life. And that Rocco's ran from, Modern Life. Uh, that ran from 92 to 96, and uh, I think of like podcast day is a very dangerous day. Uh, that that show the psychomatic that first episode where he uh gets that vacuum mail order vacuum and ends up destroying the world basically with it and the whole thing filbert you know turn the page wash your hands turn the The page page, wash wash your hands hands. that uh that show it was uh and then heifer oh heifer uh Oh, constantly eating at Chokey Chicken, which if you only saw the last few seasons, it was renamed to Chewy Chicken because <laughs> KFC did not like the name Chokey Chicken. Yeah. And Heifer literally dies in one of the episodes by choking on a whole chicken's. <laughs> <laughs> Goes and sees Peaches and H-E double hockey sticks, which that was the word hell was written in that episode. And there was just a single line through the double L's. When it aired originally, which is unbelievable to think that would the word, never happen. Though. No, the That'd word be, it canceled before it's yes, even. Yes, yes, that show was definitely the the 
Ren and Sti- not Ren and Stimpy light, but it wasn't quite as gross as Ren and Stimpy, but there was definitely uh, plenty of adult jokes yes, in yes. Rocco's modern life. Um, my number two is going to be Star Trek The Next Generation. It was something that I watched occasionally. I believe it was on at 9 p.m. Uh, when I was a kid. So I'd watch it occasionally when I would be up late or something like that. It was uh, more revisited when I was a little bit older and watched it a lot more in reruns. And then, of course, once it made its way to Netflix, I decided to really buckle down and watch the whole series. Uh, I slept through a fair number of episodes, especially in those first seasons, and I'm definitely not going to go back and watch them. Uh, <laughs> they were f- fairly boring for the, for the most part. Um, but as a whole, you, Star Trek The Next Generation is hard to beat for hard sci-fi, as they say, not so much on the fantasy side. It's tried to be trying to be based in technology, you know? Yeah. Um, now, is Next Generation the one that has Xavier from X-Men? Oh, yes, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. like, ah. Xavier. See, I, ju- I just saw the Batman today, and there is a preview where... Professor Xavier makes an appearance in voice only. Oh. Yes. I, that's all I'm going to leave it at. So that's oh. what I went to right away. I didn't think about Jean-Luc gonna Picard. going to do me like that. Yeah, I'm going to do you like that, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, perennial Star Trek star as much as he may not like it. I mean, he did go back to the role now on, uh, what is it? it's not on Paramount Plus. It's on CBS. Is that Paramount Plus? It is Paramount Plus. It used Plus, to be no. CBS All Access. Yes. Now it's on Paramount Plus. And I have not watched that at all, but I really want to watch that because I'd really love to see where those, uh, those that last two-parter with uh, Jean-Luc Picard and Q went after. I'd really like to see where that went. But, yeah. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation is a solid number two for me. I just absolutely love that series from beginning to end. Even in all its hokiness and all its uh, um, sound studio shooting, like it was just, yeah. you know, it was very, uh, very TV for the time. Um, and then my third is going to be Cowboy Bebop uh, anime, Suncoast, not Suncoast, can't remember the name of it right now, I guess, but uh, 1998, I discovered that one on television on Adult Swim. And the first, when those first notes from Yoko Kano's tank um, are in that opening, it's just goosebumps. Just thinking about it right now, it's yeah. just goosebumps. So uh, we both have a Toonami show. Yes, both have a Toonami show. Um, just anytime I hear, let's get everybody and the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. It's just like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I cannot wait. Like, uh, And interestingly enough, in a YouTube video that I just saw, I found out that Pierre LeFou, which is my favorite episode of Cowboy Bebop about this uh, government test subject that is basically granted superhuman powers and goes crazy and goes on a giant uh, killing rampage. The name is from a 1960s French art house film, and I had no idea that was a thing. So on Pierre LeFou, I guess I have to watch this thing because I, I would I would estimate that the episode and the character was named this for some reason in relation to the to the movie that was made in the sixties. For sure. Um, are you ready to move on to video games? I am. All right, let's hear them. Top three video games. Video games. Top three. All Super Nintendo games. First game: Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Classic. 
classic, still play it to this day, one of my favorite couch co-op games. Um, second game, Secret of Mana. Mana? Mana? Mana. I, I say Mana. Me too, I say Some Mana. Some people say Mana. I think it's Mana. It, we're going with Mana. <laughs> Secret of Mana. It'll be Mana forever on yep. this podcast. The cool thing about that game, too, when I was a kid is... It was three-player if you had the multi-tap for the Super Nintendo. It was so you could use the multi. You could use the multi-tap, but it was only three-player. It was only three-player. <laughs> There's only three characters. <laughs> yeah, you got your main badass fighter, and then you've got the mage, and mm-hmm. then she's your cleric. So <laughs> whoever's third gets stuck with the cleric. It's de- it's one that I never played, but I definitely need to play it. But I'll have to play it probably on an emulator because the copies are ridiculously expensive. Ridiculously so. expensive. I guess I could borrow it from you, but I would feel bad if something happened to it. Otherwise, it's on PlayStation Four as well, too. Oh, well, remade in three D. Oh, and then for rounding out the list, Super Mario All Stars, four games in one, mostly for Super Mario Three, one of my favorite games ever. But I got the Super Mario All-Stars before I ever had any of the Nintendo games, so that was the first time I had played them, and then I went backwards. So, Do you think that was something that was pretty common for people that are in your age group, that they may not have played those on the NES, but then they got the All-Stars? I Excuse- think so, yeah. All-Stars. I keep saying, like, All-Stars. All-Stars. All-Stars, yes, yeah. Yes, All-Stars. I think so. Well, at least for me, I was an only child, so I didn't have any older brothers. I mean, there were certainly some people that had a Nintendo mm-hmm. ahead of time. But, yeah, I think a lot of us went back and got Nintendo afterwards. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't crazy expensive to go get an older system no. back then. It was actually cheap. You could go yeah. get a Nintendo at a garage sale or something. Yeah, probably for like 10, 15 bucks. For sure. And that's how it was forever. It's just not the case anymore since the pandemic. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, that rounds out my list. What do you got, Drew? Uh, so for my top three video games, they're going to go... Um, I got uh, one Nintendo... Two, two Nintendo, excuse me, and one PlayStation game. Um, probably my favorite NES Nintendo game is going to be Kickle Cubicle. And that was an arcade game by Irem. Irem? Irem? The publisher. Uh, that was in 1988. It was released in arcades in Japan. And then it was 1990. It was on the NES. And that's the only version I ever played. I never played the arcade version. And you basically... It's a puzzle game where you freeze enemies, you then kick those enemies to create land on these islands to solve puzzles and collect these bags of sand that look like teddy bears, but they're bags of sand. That's what the, you know, that's the the graphical power of your Nintendo system was in 1990. And it was one of those games where I could just sit down and play it and play it. I bet you, I think there's, there's hmm, five worlds in the game. And, you know, making it all the way to the end is just one of those endurance feats where if you're going to mm-hmm. make it all the way to the end or unless you want to write down 40-digit uh, keys to start <laughs> yeah. somewhere, you know what I mean? No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. It was a very fun game. It was a, one of those games that I was able to pick up as a 8-year-old, you know, and just play and have lots of fun with. Um, I did look at other games that Irem had published to see if I had played any of them. It was a whole lot of, like, I have no idea what any of these games are. Yeah. I did run across one that I thought was funny. It was called Holy Diver, and it was released in 1989. Are you aware of the song Holy Diver? Yes, from, okay. from Guitar Hero. Okay, yes, from Guitar Hero, yeah. the Ronnie James Dio, Holy Diver, I'll spare you singing it. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I almost just think <laughs> we're gonna not do that. <laughs> we're definitely not gonna do that. Uh, so I just I saw that and it stuck out to me. I'm like, did they make this game because the song was successful? Was it a chicken or the egg? I didn't look it up, so I will never know. I just thought it was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So after that, my number two is Metal Gear Solid. That was a game that I would rent quite often and eventually rented it so often that I, it was bought for me. Just My dad got sick of renting it all the time, so I came home from school, and there it was. Here you go, Metal Gear Solid. It looked like a used copy, but I didn't care. <laughs> um, that was a Konami game, and again, I... Uh, went through a big list of Konami games and the most interesting one that I didn't even think about was the fact that X-Men the arcade game in 1992 was a Konami game. Ooh. I didn't I didn't even I don't recall seeing Konami on the startup screen in that game at all. I it's don't just, either yeah, actually. I'm kind of surprised to see that. So I mean you can't go wrong with Konami you can't go wrong with uh, Metal Gear Solid you can't go wrong with Hideo, Hideo Kojima however you want to say it I'm probably not saying it correctly so that's just the way it goes. <laughs> And then my third, another overlap for the two of us, is going to be Super Mario Brothers 3. I'm going to choose the Nintendo version just because that's the one that I had. I bought uh, Super Mario All-Stars later on in life. and uh, There is definitely, when you're talking Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario Brothers All-Stars, it seems like there's some things that are quite a bit different. Not quite a bit different, at least minutely different, where you will fall through platforms where yes. button pushes don't act the same way that they should and I don't know if that's just code lost in translation. I don't know how they coded these games, if yeah. they redid it from the beginning or anything like right. that. It brings a new level of challenge to those games. And then lastly, with our top three movies, TV, and video games, I'd like to bring up the fact that The Simpsons isn't on either of our lists, which is sacrilege to some people. And <laughs> once I uh, went through this, I was like, The Simpsons aren't on this list. And I guess the only way that I can, like, justify it is the fact that I stopped watching after about the year 2000. I don't know if it was uh, me just getting a little bit older, if the show quality degraded. But if it's an episode from 89 to 96, I can probably quote you almost any line from those, mo- from those uh, episodes. It gets to the point where my wife something will happen in public and I'll be like, hey, this reminds me of that time this happened in The Simpsons. And she just, just it's like, I just don't want to hear it. Yeah, I never really sat down and watched The Simpsons. What's weird though is I had some of the video games like Bart's Nightmare. I remember that was an arcade game, but I also had the Super Nintendo game where you're walking down the street and the papers fall down mm-hmm. and you got to jump in the paper and do different games. And mm-hmm. Yep, but yeah, I never really watched too much of The Simpsons. Uh, the Simpsons games, especially on the Nintendo, were always really hard. Super hard. Very hard. Yeah. Like, I, I never know. beat this game I'm N- talking about. No, right? and even Bart Simpson versus the Space Mutants, if you don't plan out the way you use your spray paint, you might as well just hit the reset button and start over because you got to spray paint these objects and turn them purple. And More than once, I'm just like, oh, reset. Yep. <laughs> um, you got anything else, Trav? Uh, let's see. I just, uh, I did think about, so my parents were not together growing up, so I had certain movies at my mom's house, and I was thinking about just how amazing these five movies are, so I had to read you this list. These were the five movies that I had that were mine at my mom's house. Okay. Happy Gilmore. Great. On my list. Jurassic Park. Great. On your list. 
Mrs. Doubtfire. Classic. Classic. Robin Williams. We didn't mention him yet. He was a drive-by fruiting. That was a terrible. <laughs> that was terrible, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, let's see. And then we got Nightmare Before Christmas, oh, which is still classic. my favorite animated movie of mm-hmm. all time. It's a Tim Burton. And Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt? Have you ever seen no, Mouse Hunt? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, my gosh. I love this movie. What's it about? It's literally a mouse that terrorizes these two people. Their dad dies, and they get left this really old house, okay. and this mouse is in there, and it's kind of like Home Alone, but instead of McAllister, it's the mouse. He's outsmarting these two people the whole time. That it, is interesting. And eventually they have to hire an exterminator who is Christopher Walken. <laughs> what? And the, and the mouse basically destroys Christopher Walken. I'll leave it at that, but it's a really funny movie. It'd be heavy appropriate as well. So. Oh, so it's 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 Home Alone, but with Christopher Walken and a mouse. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> funny. So funny. Hey, mouse, get over here. That's another really bad in, in, <laughs> impersonation, but it, I'm trying here. And now, so this, that was my five that were mine, but I have to know if you've seen this movie because I'm, I can't believe that I've seen this movie, but my mom had this movie at her house. Serial Mom. Have you ever heard or seen of that movie? You know, the name... 1994. The name, like, hit something in my brain. Like... Have you seen enough friends to know who Chandler's dad is? No. Okay. Well, his dad is someone who is a quote-unquote... Used to be a woman, but is a... Or no, is a guy and now is a woman. So he's a transgendered woman. I believe so. Okay. And but it's obviously a real female playing the part in the show, and oh. that's that's who this serial mom is. <laughs> that's the, I don't think that holds up very well in, in Friends. This <laughs> no, 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 it does not. That's that's an interesting tie-in. I really enjoy that. I guess I don't have anything else either, so we can probably move on to our homework review. There's no homework to review. This is the first episode, so it's the first day of school. There's no homework. Lucky you. Lucky me, lucky you. Yeah. So normally in this segment, we talk about any personal stories that we would have relating to the homework assignment from the previous episode. We definitely try to make some interesting observations and further facts. We want to be factual about the information that we share about these movies, about these TV shows, and about the video games that we're going to play. Yeah, and we just want to make it interesting and entertaining. And then I'm going to try to make some sort of arbitrary rating system. Like, give me a movie. Any movie. Pick a movie from the 80s or 90s. Billy Madison. Billy Madison gets five Shooter McGavins out of six. All right. So it's uh, something like that. That's what I'm looking for. Hopefully more funny than that. And then uh, the the theme that I'd like to keep through this whole podcast and this segment included is we want to have a candid and original conversation about all of these topics and try to just be as down to earth and real about it as we possibly can. For sure. I guess with that done, I have nothing else to say about our homework review since there, like I said, there is no homework to review. So on to the homework assignment. Would you like to tell us what this homework assignment is, Trev? This homework assignment is Tim Burton's 1989 film. Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Gotta love that. Um, I guess I want to start off with uh, uh, some movie facts. I'm just going to list off some facts here. Got about, what do I got? One, two, three, four, five. Got seven facts. I think I counted seven, four. Yeah, seven maybe. Um, 
It was released uh, 62289, had a 40 million dollar opening weekend, which I'd say that's pretty dang good for 1989, 40 million dollars. You're pretty happy with 40 million dollars nowadays on uh, an yeah. opening weekend. 4 days before I was born. <laughs> and you know that 40 million dollar weekend went to a 250 million dollar North American box off box office with 160 million dollars internationally for a total of 411 million dollars. Do you have any idea what 411 million dollars works out to today's money? If this movie was released today in 2022, what that would be for a domestic box office? I wish I did, but I'm going to guess it's at least like double. Uh, pretty dang close, $931 million. That, could, that That's just domestically. That's just in North America. That's crazy. Or excuse me, that is also internationally, which a, a billion-dollar movie is pretty crazy anytime you uh, look yeah. at it. Um, so a movie that released the same year as Batman did in 1989 was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So the third part of a major trilogy, which could easily be the subject of a homework assignment, but I'm assuming you've seen... Wow. I have okay. not seen Indiana shook, Jones. Shook None of them? None of them. Wow, okay. Homework, 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 homework. homework. And that's 80s, so that definitely, you know, skews that way. Um, it was bigger than Indiana Jones at the box office that year. And that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade had uh, not only Harrison Ford, obviously, but it had... I'm blanking on his name, which is really imba- Sean Connery. And that's embarrassing oh. that I couldn't think of Sean Connery's name. But yeah, he was Indiana Jones' dad. So that's pretty nuts that uh, it was a bigger movie. Um, if you had to guess other big actors from around that time that would be up for the role of Batman, what, what do you th- name some actors that you think would be good for Batman? I, I really can't think of, like, action stars from back then. Just any male actor. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. See, there you go. <laughs> so, no, you, that would be an interesting Batman. That would be a very interesting Batman. Uh, I'll tell you one person that was up for the role, at least reportedly up for the role, Tom Selleck. That's crazy. Would he have shaved the mustache to be Batman or would we have the first Batman with a mustache? Yep, mask doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, have the, gotta have the mustache. Better yet, I like the idea of them just cutting out right under the nose so yeah. they can keep the mustache. That would be perfect. I'm glad Tom Selleck wasn't the Batman. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. And then if you had to choose uh, somebody to be the Joker from that era, who do you think would be a good Joker? Well, I think they probably picked the best Joker. Yeah, they they definitely did. I did hear that Robin Williams was up for the part as well, and when Jack Nicholson was not very interested, didn't know if he wanted to take it, they offered it to Robin Williams, and he actually accepted the role, Mm -hmm. and then when they went back to Nicholson to tell him that he was going to do it, then Nicholson decided to do it, and that kind of... uh, rubbed Robin the wrong way as well. <laughs> and I would, that's a total ego thing from Jack Nicholson, right? Oh, definitely. Total ego Just thing. strong arm in him. Uh, one of the other people that was considered is David Bowie. That would have been interesting to see David Bowie, uh, especially if he, have you seen The Labyrinth? I have not the seen Labyrinth! The Labyrinth! <laughs> if he would have played it that way, or is he, or even like The Man Who Fell to Earth, you can see David Bowie's wiener in that movie if you're ever interested in that. Yikes. Um, one final crazy fact, the original Batmobile was bought by Jeff Dunham. Yes, that Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist Jeff Dunham owns the original Batmobile. 
How do you feel about that, Trav? I wonder why. <laughs> must have I been wonder a, why. Must have been a really big Batman like is, fan. Is he out cruising in that thing, or is that just a for show type of thing? Um, I would if if it's drivable, I would drive it. I think I, I remember. I, would, I think sure. I remember seeing that he had to he had to change something within the Batmobile so that he could actually drive it on the street. Like he had to swap the engine out or something like that to make it street legal. So. I would assume that he probably drives it. I mean, if I was rich, I'd probably do crazier things with my money. <laughs> of the of the Batmobiles, which one would you want to have? I love the Batmobile in the Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I love like the tank type feel. Yeah. Like you ain't getting into this Batmobile. That's type thing. yeah. No, that's a, a really good. If you'll, I want to know your opinion on that after you see the newest Batman yes, movie. Yeah. Um, I would probably choose. Uh, uh, the Michael Keaton Batman's Batmobile or the Adam West Batmobile. We haven't mentioned Adam West once yet, but we're not really going towards that one very much. The The Adam West Batmobile is just uh, one of those things. I just remember watching that show a lot as a kid, and it'd be an interesting piece of pop culture to have something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to move on to why Batman 89, Tim Burton's Batman, why it matters and why you should care to do it as a homework assignment and why we're actually assigning it. Um, Danny Elfman and Prince did the soundtrack, not together. It was actually two different soundtracks that were released separately, which is interesting enough in itself. And Danny Elfman is the composer that created the Simpsons opening theme, among other things. So, I mean, there's a lot of panache right there to have Danny Elfman be scoring your film. And personally, I'm a really big Prince fan. And this is about... So Prince's career was probably peaking maybe on the way down a little bit in 1989 so I can see why he'd want to seems out of character for him to do a movie soundtrack that's yeah. not something that he has complete creative control over because he was just that type of guy right uh, so I can understand why he would do it and the songs that he chose we'll talk about those songs a lot more in the next episode because they're, sure. they're some pretty pretty crazy songs that's for sure and this Batman took the idea took what Batman, the idea of Batman was and really flipped it on its head because Adam West Batman was campy. It was a darn near a comedy. You yeah. know, it was, yeah. you couldn't take anything in it seriously. When you have stuff like shark repellent on your belt and stuff <laughs> like that, have you seen, have you seen the Batman I, movie from that era? No. So there's a scene where he has to, I believe... I believe it's the Penguin. It might have been the Joker. He drops a bomb, one of those comical bombs with the fuse in it like you see in like a Looney Tunes cartoon. And Batman catches it. Adam West Batman catches it. And he's running around trying to get rid of it. So like he runs over to this area and there's like a baby in a baby carriage. So then he starts running over to the end of this dock and there's a mother duck and her ducklings. And he starts running all over the place with this thing. It's just, a, it's a comedy at that point. You Definitely. know what I mean? And Tim Burton's Batman, he they, he made it dark. He made it gritty. He made it interesting again for a, for the audience that wanted it, for those 20-something-year-olds at the time that wanted to see a gritty, awesome Batman in the theater. He definitely made it dark again. And, you know, the main reason why this movie matters, why Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, Batman 1989, Michael Keaton's Batman, whatever you want to call it, uh, is... Batmania. So there's a really great YouTube video by a guy named Cinema Tyler. 
And he has this series called Cinema Stories on YouTube. So you can find all this information and a lot more information. He's got like a 30-minute video on this. So he does a really good job of explaining it. I'm just basically paraphrasing it and getting some good facts out of it. Batman changed the mo- the way movies are marketed. So we are very used to the way marketing a movie is all this huge, all-encompassing thing where it's TV ads, video game ads, YouTube ads, you know, toys, toys all of that stuff, uh, fast food tie-ins, all that stuff. And that was a besides George Lucas and Star Wars, it just wasn't really the way movies were done at the time. Uh, Time Warner, who was the, the studio behind this movie, they owned all facets of Batman. So they, like, they owned the record label that released the records. They owned the movie theater. You know, not the movie theater. They owned the, uh, the movie studio you know they owned everything in and anything that they didn't own they licensed out to any anybody that wanted to buy the license there was over 300 licensed products and things like batman cereal which we still see movie tie-in cereals to this day the batman alarm clock and on the very high end a 500 dollar rhinestone studded jacket I highly recommend trying to find a picture of this thing. It's in the video. Oh my. <laughs> it's definitely something else. Did you own any Batman licensed products like from this movie? No, I did not. No, none. I had a couple of uh there was a couple of things when I I saw them in this YouTube video that I was like, "Oh, man, I had that action figure." There's this action figure where his like belt comes out and had this like elasticy string on it and it would snap back into him and that lasted all of about a week before a week. it broke. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. Um, and, you know, they did all this stuff. They owned all facets of the movie production and any way to make money off of it. So even if it was a flop, they'd still make tons of money on it. And, of course, there was definitely counterfeit products. I don't recall ever owning any counterfeit products, but, you know, anytime anything like this is that big. There's going to be counterfeit products. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had any counterfeit products from any type of movie? Like, do you remember those uh, uh, Simpsons Pogs from the 90s? I had Pogs, but I don't remember Simpsons So Pogs. there was these Simpsons Pogs that were getting traded around my group of friends uh, that were all in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where they came from, but all of a sudden there was this influx of Simpsons Pogs with all this Spanish lettering and wording on them. It's just, you know obviously counterfeit non-licensed Simpsons stuff so very very 90s thing same thing with all the fake Oakleys that people would bring back from Mexico trips and stuff like that in high school Um, and then even Prince was part of the marketing I mean he was brought on to attract women and black audiences and to just broaden the appeal overall to make more money via the soundtrack it was all it was all to make money you know just the way that those big those big corporations think about this stuff and they just happen to have a really good director that had a clear vision for what he wanted to make this movie into mm-hmm. and they allowed him they allowed Tim Burton to Tim Burton Not, and it paid off it really did pay off I mean 200 million copies of the soundtrack alone I mean that's pretty insane for any album I mean, you don't there's 
CD sales, album sales are just not, that doesn't exist anymore. Not, not 200 all. million copies of anything no. ever. Maybe over a complete career, but definitely not for a single movie. Yeah. And it, I mean, I've already stated this and I'll just state it again, but Batman set the standard to on how to market a blockbuster film. And still use that same way today. If you see the way a movie is marketed, that is due to Batman. You can thank Batman. You can thank Time Warner. You can you can thank the corporate machine. <laughs> yeah. You can thank the corporate machine. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that, Trav? No, I'm pretty clueless when it comes to this 1989 Batman because I have never seen it. So I also have homework like everybody else. That's why it's a good homework assignment. Definitely. Uh, so... Um, I guess I don't have anything else when it comes to assigning our homework today. Um, I'm sure we've gotten some some emails, Trav. Have we gotten some emails? Oh, yep. Turns <laughs> out we've gotten a few emails from future listeners. Yeah. Days of future, emails of future past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for our first one here comes from, this show is awesome, one, two, three, S. What was your very first video game system? Um... The very first video game system that I played was the NES, the Nintendo. We had an Intellivision in the house that was something that was in the house from before I was born that my uh, my dad had purchased. He's always been kind of into that video game stuff, and um, luckily I've been able to go back and play that Intellivision stuff. You know, Pitfall and Frogger and Burger Time and that type of stuff. But the Nintendo was my first thing, and um, if I remember correctly... Uh, my dad won it in some sort of contest. I need to ask him about it. I meant to ask him about That's it. so but, cool. Yeah. For me, it was the Super Nintendo. My dad got me the Super Mario World bundle, and I also had Street Fighter II Turbo. And I remember playing this as a kid all the time. I, of course, was trying to master all the moves in Street Fighter. My dad wasn't a big gamer, but he'd pick up the controller, and he'd pick Guile, and he'd button mash his way to victory. <laughs> And he would just make me feel like crap. Like, he would be talking so much shit all the time to everybody. Oh, yeah, Travis, he's practicing. Oh, he's going to do this and that. I just smoked his ass. He'd say, it just no mercy. So, yeah, it's probably good that my dad didn't game more than he did because not so good. <laughs> <laughs> and for the next question here, it comes from High Hopes 420 asked, what was the first movie you saw in theaters? Um... I, b I believe it was Land Before Time, which was, um, you know, one of those classic kids movies. I, I'm not sure the year that it came out. It was either Land Before Time or Five on American Tale. I just remember them both being really big deals. And uh, my family, we like to go to movies. So I'm pretty sure it was uh, um, Land Before Time. Great movie. Yeah, definitely a great movie. For me, it was The Mask, 1994. That was the first movie I went to, again, with my dad. And the coolest part about this one is we had the theater completely to ourselves. So it was an awesome first experience for me, Jim Carrey, for the first time. My dad's a goofball, spitting popcorn all over the theater. Sorry, new home workers in <laughs> 1994. I apologize for my dad. Um, next question we have is, True 90s Debate asks Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? Nickelodeon with a bullet. Nickelodeon with a bullet. Nickelodeon with a bullet. Yeah. So 
I've thought about it a little bit, and I think I'm going to play Devil's Advocate, and I actually am going to pick Cartoon Network, oh. which is crazy. I... Um, I just, when I think about it, and you add in Toonami with all the other shows mm-hmm. that I really like, it doesn't take anything away from Nickelodeon by any means. I could have a top three favorite shows just from Nickelodeon. Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy, Angry Beavers. Mm-hmm. Bada bing, bada bing, bada mm-hmm. bing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just think I like Cartoon Network better when you add in Dragon Ball Z and all those other shows. Uh, I, I choose Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon was the the theme the theme of my summers growing up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was uh, wake up in the morning, turn on Nickelodeon, and then I, turn it off eventually, maybe if I had to. Yeah, I loved all the show, non-animated shows on yeah, Nickelodeon, yeah. like Legends of the Hidden mm-hmm, Temple mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that neither of us had Rugrats on our list at all. I feel like that was probably the show I saw the most yeah. growing up. Yeah, and I love the show, but it didn't make either of our top three. It did not make either of our top threes. Um, I guess it's a, a little bit surprising, just because, like you said, it was on so much, and maybe that's why people love it so much now. It's, it's a great show. There's no doubt about it that it's a great show. Um, I'm going to play devil's advocate right here, and why not? What about, like, Fox Kids? Like Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, yeah. like those are some very quality shows. Or like CBS and one Saturday morning, like and Fox Kids that would have had like Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and stuff. Or? Um, I think Looney Tunes was on Nickelodeon, if I remember correctly. I think Looney Tunes was on Nickelodeon, but it had Fox Kids had it might have been on it, but hmm. Fox Kids would have had like X Men, X Men, nineties, yep, Animaniacs, po- Pokemon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, yep, all that stuff. Um, what are like Freakazoid? Some of those other Warner Brothers Power cartoons. Rangers? Was that um, on Fox Kids? I, th- I think it was. I think that was on Fox Kids. That was, you know, there was some depth. Like Steven Spielberg presents Tiny Toon Adventures is a. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know why that didn't make my list. I really do love. That I love show, that show. Yeah, that was a really really good show. Next question comes from man. I said I got a Gamecast as PlayStation One or Nintendo sixty four. PlayStation 1. I didn't own a 64 until I was in my 30s. That's crazy to me. (laughs) Crazy to me. I'm actually N64. I had both of them, but I really liked all the couch co-op games on N64. Yeah. um, I played video games a lot more solo, and that was way more on the PlayStation side of things. Yeah. Uh, It's funny that that determines my winner because I'm an only child, so I didn't really (laughs) play that many couch co-op, but if we're going to PlayStation 2, that surpasses Nintendo for me. That's yeah. when I officially, I'm Sony all the way. Right, yeah. Sony, I made a, a brief pit stop with Microsoft, but I'm back to Sony. <laughs> I'm back to Sony. Next question. Waluigi wants to know, who is your go-to Mario Kart character? Toad. 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 Mine it, is Mario. It's always been Toad for me. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe I identify with him for some reason or another. But it's always been Toad. Yeah, mine's always Mario. I didn't have anybody to fight with, so I always got to pick player one. So <laughs> I was Mario to the point where if anybody else picks Mario and Mario Party especially, <laughs> I will screw up because I'm going to watch Mario. Uh, that is funny. Yeah, Toad. I always called him Todd. Todd. <laughs> Todd. Todd. <laughs> and final question comes from. Flawless victory as Sub Zero or Scorpion. Mm. Scorpion. Scorpion. Get over sure. here. Get over here. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Me too. He was the first character that I ever played on uh, Mortal Kombat with Scorpion. 
All right. Well, that wraps up the questions. I want everyone to email us at overduehomework at gmail.com. Send us some questions because, I, I mean, I'll keep making these up if I have to. Yeah, please I, do. I, I will keep making these up, but it'd be great to get some actual questions from some people. Send us in any topic ideas. Not that we're going to run out of content ideas here for, what, nope. 10 years Yeah, it'll be a while. There's plenty but of content. We can uh, bump some stuff up in the priority mm-hmm, list, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to my buddy Wade. He said, don't call him out by name, but too bad. Wade, <laughs> thanks for making the logo for us for our Overdue Homework podcast. Yep. He also has a podcast called The Forecast for his band Foreplay where he is a badass keyboardist, saxophone player, and vocalist. So, yeah, go check out those guys. Man of many talents. Many talents. And, yeah, Drew, I'm excited to get into some of this content. It's been a lot of fun getting this thing going here. Uh, Next week's homework assignment, reminder, is the quintessential 1989 Tim Burton film. And yeah, thanks for listening and tune in to next week's exciting episode of Dragon Ball. Oh, oh, sorry. Tune in to next week's exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.